Good morning and welcome to On Fire Radio, brought to you by Catskill Mountain Christian Center, a full gospel family church and Christian academy located at 629 Main Street in beautiful Margaretville, New York. What a great day to go to church. If you don't have a church, come on over to Catskill Mountain Christian Center. We would love for you to be our guest this morning. That's Catskill Mountain Christian Center this morning at 10 o'clock. If you'd like more information about On Fire Radio or Catskill Mountain Christian Center, give us a call at 845-586-4848. I'm Renard Bartow, and I'd like to invite you to join us for the next 30 minutes as we bring you on Fire Radio. Now let's go to Pastor Bob Engelhart with today's message. Would you please help me welcome Pastor Renard Bartow to the pulpit this morning? Good morning, everybody. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would bless the Engelharts as they're spending time away and enjoying their family, that you would get them home safely to us, Lord. And I ask, Lord God, that you would just use me this morning, Lord God, and, and I pray that your words would come through me for your, for your people, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, I spoke about faith. So I thought I'd piggyback on that word a little bit and talk about works, right? Because you can't really have complete faith without works. I didn't say it, it's in this thing. It's in here. We'll get into it, I'll tell you about it. So just to recap a little bit, Hebrew 11.6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him, him being the Lord. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I looked up faith, and this was what belief and trust and loyalty to God Belief in the traditional doctrines of a religion. This is making me crazy. Should I put it over here? Is this better? Is that better? Let's see if that's better. Um, a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. I thought that was interesting. Complete trust. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In the Passion Translation, it says this. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Interesting. I thought that was interesting. James chapter 2, verse 14 says this. I know, a lot of scripture, but it's just here, and then there'll be more. So just hang on. My dear brothers and sisters, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrates no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, if a brother or sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry and you leave them saying, goodbye, I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat, but you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup, what good is your faith? So then... Faith that doesn't involve action is phony. Selah. Verse 18. But someone might object and say, one person has faith and another person has works. Go ahead. 
Prove to me that you have faith without your works, and I will show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. You can believe all you want that there is one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him, yet they're unchanged. They remain demons. O oh, feeble sons of Adam, do you need further evidence that faith divorced from good works is phony? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham found righteous before God because of his works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Can't you see how his action cooperated with his faith and by his action found its full expression? So in this, the scripture was fulfilled because Abraham believed God, his faith was exchanged for God's righteousness. So he became known as the lover of God. So now it's clear that a person is seen as righteous in God's eyes, not merely by faith alone, but by his works. And the same is true of the prostitute named Rahab, who was found righteous in God's eyes by her works. For she received the spies into her home and helped them escape from the city by another route. For just as a human body without the spirit is a dead corpse, so faith without the expression of good works is dead. Wow. We have to have good works. The Bible says it. So what is this? You know, faith without works is like owning a Ferrari, right? Somebody gives you a Ferrari and you never put gas in it. It can take you places, not very fast, unless you put gas in it, and then it will take you places. But it's just sitting there. It's just not doing much. It's just, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. This is awesome. How is that going to help you? How is it going to help anybody? It's going to help me, but that's about it. And God has called us to help others, right? Hebrews chapter 11, it's the great hall of faith, right? Talks about all of the different faith people out there. But there's one in particular I want to I kind of hone in on. And that is this guy called Abram. And so often in our lives, right, we want to know the end result before we do something. You know what I mean? Okay, if this, then that. They're flowcharts. There are programs dedicated to flowcharts so we can see what happens. God is not a flowchart guy. God just says, do it. I'll worry about the end. You just do what I... And Abraham, Abram, that's exactly what happened to him. He couldn't see the end result. He had no choice. He just believed in the Lord with his whole heart and his whole mind, and he said, I'll do it. So... Let's see. Let's go look here. Genesis chapter 12. This is from the Message Bible. God told Abram, leave your country, your family, and your father's homeland for a land that I will show you. My first question was, um, can I see it now? Oh, I just want to make sure it's going to be okay. But no. God continues. I'll make you a great nation and bless you. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those you'll, 
And Okay, I'm getting excited because this is so good. I'll bless those who bless you, and those who curse you, I'll curse. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, just as God said, and Lot left with him. That's it. Okay. Yes, sir, Captain. I'm out. And he left. He was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abram took his wife, Sarai, and his nephew Lot with him, along with all the possessions and people they had gotten in Haran, and set out to the land of Canaan, and arrived safe and sound. Abram passed through the country as far as Shechem and Oak of Morah, and at the time the Canaanites occupied the land. God appeared to Abram and said, I'll give you this land, and I'll give it to your children. Abram built an altar at the place God had appeared to him. He moved on from there to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent between Bethel to the west and I to the east. He built an altar there, altar there and prayed to God. Abram kept moving steadily, making his way south to the Negev. Then a famine came to the land. Abram went down to Egypt to live. It was a hard famine. This is where things get a little squirrely for Abram. And I love it because it's so human. It's so human what happens here, right? There's a famine. Egypt, he knows there's, there's food in Egypt, so he wants to go someplace to take his family. So he heads to Egypt, but he also knows that Pharaoh's in Egypt. I continue. I, I wrote here, he gets like Peter on the water at this point, when Jesus called him on the water. As he drew near to Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, look, we both know that you're a beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, aha, that's his wife, and they'll kill me. But they'll let you live. Do me a favor. Tell them you're my sister. Because of you, they'll welcome me and let me live. You get what happened here? Pharaoh could do what he wanted, right? So Abram was nervous. He was like, oh man, listen, she's a looker. This is my babe. But they're going to see it too, and they're going to bring her to Pharaoh. When Abram arrived in Egypt, the Egyptians took one look and saw that his wife was stunningly beautiful. Pharaoh's princes raved over her to Pharaoh. She was taken to live with Pharaoh. Because of her, Abram got along very well. He accumulated sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men and women servants, and camels. But God hit Pharaoh hard because of Abram's wife, Sarai. Everybody in the palace got seriously sick. Pharaoh called for Abram. What's this that you've done to me? Why didn't you tell me that she's your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I take her as my wife? Here's your wife back. Take her and, and get out. Pharaoh ordered his men to get Abram out of the country. They sent him and his wife and everything he owned on their way. Okay, not so bad. So understand that when a pharaoh or a leader or a king took somebody to be their wife, there was a whole purification process. It usually took months they had to do. So it's not like, you know, oh, there she is, let's get married now. It, it took a process, excuse me. 
so Sarai was okay. And Abram was okay because he was making lots of dough, right? He was being blessed. But what did he do wrong? Did he lie? Technically, no. Because Sarai was his half-sister. So he's playing that game. My mom used to say, white lie, it's a white lie, it's okay. It's not a white lie, it's not, a, it's not okay. So they had the same father, different mother. So technically, technically, it wasn't really a lie and he was playing on that. But in reality, he wasn't trusting the God that sent him. And that's the issue, right? Where did his faith go? He was more concerned with saving his skin than he was with following the order that God gave him. God never said to do anything like that. Never said, hey, you're going to have to you know, play this whole game. Never did that. But he did it. But even though he did that, because Abram was faithful and because he listened and was obedient, God covered his butt. And he was able to leave with everything that he got and carry on. Abram leaves. He goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh sees Sarai. They lie about being husband and wife because Abram was afraid he was going to be killed. So now Pharaoh finds out. Pharaoh gives Sarai back. They witness this whole thing. And now we're going to pick it up on Genesis chapter 20, verse 8 out of the message. Abraham traveled from there south to the Negev and settled down between Kadesh and Shur. While he was camping in Gerar, Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she's my sister. He did it again! Third time. First time was sister? Second time? Third time? I don't know how many times. Okay, let's, let's pick some. So, Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream that night and told him, you're as good as dead. The woman you took, she's a married woman. God shows up again. This is amazing to me. But why is God doing this? If it was me, I, you know, trust me, fine, go, I'll find somebody else. Now Abimelech had not yet slept with her, hadn't so much as touched her. He said, Master, would you kill an innocent man? Didn't he tell me she's my sister? And didn't she herself say he's my brother? I had no idea I was doing anything wrong when I did this. God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know your intentions were pure. That's why I kept you from sinning against me. I was the one who kept you from going to bed with her. So now, give the man's wife back to him. He's a prophet and will pray for you. Pray for your life. If you don't give her back, know that it's certain death, both for you and everyone in your family. Abimelech was up first thing in the morning. He called all his house servants together and told them the whole story. They were shocked. When Abimelech called in Abraham and said, what have you done to us? What have I ever done to you that you would bring on me and my kingdom this huge offense? What you've done to me ought never to have been done. Abimelech went to Abraham. 
Whatever were you thinking when you did this thing? Abraham said, I just assumed that there was no fear of God in this place and that they'd kill me to get my wife. Besides, the truth is that she is my half-sister. She's my father's daughter, but not my mother's. When God sent me out as a wanderer from my father's home, I told her, do me a favor. Wherever we go, tell people I'm your brother. Then Abimelech gave Sarah back to Abraham and along with her sent sheep and cattle and servants, both male and female. He said, my land is open to you. Live wherever you wish. And to Sarah, he said, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. That clears you of even a shadow of suspicion before the eyes of the world. You're vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, his maidservants, and they started having babies again, for God had shut down every womb in Abimelech's household on the account of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Is that amazing? This is amazing. See, we so often go on assumptions, right? And I know I've talked about this, that, you know, Probably 90% of the stuff that we assume is going to happen to us never happens to us. We're always thinking the negative, right? Like in, in every possible situation in your life, have you ever said, oh, that'll never happen? It'll, it's going to be a great thing. No, we've always we've got to look at the downside of everything. Listen, if, if, if we won the lottery, oh, the taxes are going to kill us on that. You won the lottery, man. Tithe, pay your taxes. It's a blessing tax, do it. I, I don't know. So a Abraham, Abraham assumed the worst. But you see, God, even in that, spared him. And he gave him more stuff. Why? Because Abraham was obedient. In everything that he did, Abraham was obedient to the Lord. He never said no. He never said anything. Did he wiggle a little bit when he could? Yeah. But he was obedient to the Lord at every turn. Abraham unwisely trusted his own plans to, to preserve his life, and he was caught in a lie again. So what are works? The Bible said Abraham because of his works. Well, works are a person's actions or deeds. Work is something that we can either do, like I mentioned earlier, for some sort of a reward, whether it's monetary or something else, or works is something you just do out of the abundance of your heart, right? I mean, I, I do things for my family, for my wife, for you all. For, for, I, I just do things as you guys do, because you love your, your husband, your wife, your children. You, you, you don't have to be told. You're not looking for a hearty handshake and a pat in the back. You just do it, right? That's the kind of works God is looking for. Those are the things. Because if we just sit here every day, and we never say to the cashier at Freshtown, oh, man, you look like you're having a rough day. You doing all right? What's going on? Hey, can I pray for you? Can I? Whatever. So obedience does not require us to have the full knowledge of the entire game plan. 
As I mentioned, Abraham didn't know what the end result was going to be. The Bible says Abraham obeyed and he went. I wrote this, for us Christians, obedience is not an option, it's a command. And when we're confronted with a command, we have two choices, right? You can obey or you can disobey. There's no other choice. If you're not doing what you're told, you're being disobedient. So when God says, go, show me your works. Show me your works because I want to see them because then I know how deep your faith is by your works. Because when you're going out there and in the trenches, that means I really got my hook in you deep and I'm loving it because you're doing great things for me. Or we can choose not to. We'll still get to heaven, right? If we accept Jesus, we're going to heaven. But you won't be living on Bartow Boulevard with me. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Listen to to what happened to Samuel. You know what happened to Samuel? I'm going to tell you in the few minutes we have remaining. Here's an example of the other side. We had Abraham on one side. This is Samuel. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have... I've obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on a mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back, brought back Agag, king of Amalek. Do you remember that story? God sent him out, crushed him. Said, I, God said, I want you to destroy everything. So Saul continues, I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. 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 But the people took of the plunder sheep and oxen, the best of things, which should have been utterly destroyed. See, he's now, he's talking to Samuel. Saul is talking to Samuel, and now he's rationalizing what he's doing in his head. No, Samuel, the people took the best of everything. Why? So so that they could sacrifice it to the Lord, your God, in Gilgal. So Samuel said, (coughs) excuse me, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. He sealed his fate. And I can, I can give you examples in the Bible about other people. Moses, right? They were whining about water. God said, all right, Moses, talk to that rock. No. Moses just saw a show at Sight and Sound and got theatrical and took his staff and hit it twice or more. God didn't tell him to do that because of that disobedience. Silly, right? The water still came out. He still did water come forth, but he hit the rock. God said, Moses, you blew it, man. You're never going to see the promised land. You disobeyed me. Saul lost his kingdom. 
lost everything because he disobeyed. He was supposed to destroy it all. See, we can rationalize doing things sometimes that aren't the right things, but they seem right, but to the Lord they're not right because it's not what he asked us to do. You know what I mean? Instead of moving the guitar over there, I turned the tree because the other side looks better. There, now everything looks right. But I told you to move the guitar. Yeah, but look how good it looks now. Come on. Right? That's what's going on here. We can't substitute something we want for what the Lord is telling us to do. Blind obedience sometimes, right? It's what God is asking us for, blind obedience, to do the works. Don't worry about the end. Don't. I got the end. God gave us promises, right? If you know your word, he gave us promises. And we can stand on those promises. And those promises say, here's here's a flowchart for you guys out there. If you do A, B will happen. And we can count on B to happen because God said it. And if we don't do, A, C will happen. But that's in there too. So we got to take the good with the bad and understand that the choice we make has ramifications whichever way it goes. Life or death. Obedience, disobedience. It's all our choice. John chapter 15, verse 9, the Passion Translation says, I love each of you with the same love that I that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I have, that I experience, will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Everybody's familiar with that, right? No greater love than someone who sacrifices his life. Romans 2, 6 says this. For he will give to each one in return for what he has done. For those living in constant goodness and doing what pleases him, seeking an unfading glory and honor and imperishable virtue, will experience eternal life. But those governed by selfish and self-promotion, whose hearts are unresponsive to God's truth and would rather embrace unrighteousness, will experience the fullness of wrath. A, B, B, C. Got it? Anyone who does evil can expect tribulation and distress to the Jew first and also to the non-Jew. But when we do what pleases God, we can expect an unfading glory, true honor, and a continual peace to the Jew first and also to the non-Jew, for God sees sees all without partiality. So our works are to be Jesus' hands and feet here. 1 Peter 2, verse 11. My divinely loved friends, since you are resident aliens and foreigners in this world, I appeal to you to divorce yourself from the evil desires that wage war within you. 
live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers, even though they accuse you of being evildoers. Listen to this. For they will see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God in the day he visits us. Listen, they may slander you. We've all been slandered in our lives, I'm sure, at some point or another. Maybe not you, Georgie, but everybody else has been slandered in their lives, right? But we do it. And you see, they can't say anything bad about you. What are they going to say? Oh, yeah, well, you know, he pushed my car out of the ditch in the snow. Oh, yeah, he, you know, he saw me, I didn't have my wallet, and he paid for my groceries at Freshtown. Let them say that. If that's what they got against you, hallelujah. So I'm going to leave you with this. What are you called to do? How are you to serve? And what are the orders you are supposed to obey from the Lord? If you don't have any, ask him. He'll give you orders. He'll make sure it happens. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God has used this message to minister to you. If you would like to help financially support the work of Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can go to our website and give at www.cmcconline.org. There you'll find options how to give online safely and securely. And to find out more about Catskill Mountain Christian Center, you can follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can follow the handle at CMCC Church at Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also head over to our website at www.cmcconline.org. And on behalf of Pastor Bob Inglehart and everyone here at Catskill Mountain Christian Center, this is Jake Johnson signing off. God bless, and thank you for joining us this morning. 